0: Welcome to Inside Out, a podcast from Ipsos UU that explores emerging trends, budding innovations, fresh thoughts and creative ways to get closer to real people in real life. Each episode features thought provoking conversations showcasing industry leading thinking from our global network of insight specialists. Hi, I'm Emma Grant and I'm your host of today's episode of Inside Out. we've been talking all about culture on this podcast, and today we have a special edition where we'll be focusing on the Black and African American community within the context of the overall American culture. Now, no matter where you are in this world, you've likely been seeing the news from the United States in these last couple of weeks following the horrific murder of George Floyd in Minnesota on May 25th, 2020 by a police officer. The outpouring of grief, anger, and exhaustion, not just from this tragedy, but from the many, many that have preceded it, has led to nationwide and even global protests against white supremacy and systemic racism against Black Americans. Now, because Inside Out is a podcast for researchers, inside professionals, and marketers, we will look at this issue from a cultural perspective to better understand this microculture within the wider America but we'll also talk through how we at Ipsos are thinking about and grappling with this problem and discuss what it means for people, organizations, and brands. And it is a very special edition because here with me to have this conversation is April Jeffries, my co-host of this podcast, and Ipsos UU's global president of observation and ethnography. April, thanks for being here to discuss this very important topic. First off, how are
1: you? I'm doing better, Emma. To be honest with you, uh, the first, the last couple of weeks have been quite quite emotional. I, I love the idea that we can do this together because uh, I, I know we usually we talk to experts, and I would not profess at this point to be an expert on. Anything, but I have experienced the uh, the African American culture. So, um, you know, I know you and I have had conversations, and sometimes it's just interesting to to hear what a good conversation could be between someone who's from a culture and someone who's not, and the kinds of things that we might be able to share. Absolutely,
0: and I've been reading a lot over these past few weeks, and just trying to listen and understand the importance of what being a good ally means. And I think a big part of it that I'm hearing is about educating ourselves and having these important conversations. So I think it's great that we're here today. And so glad that um, you're taking the time to do
1: this. So, So let's actually, that's a great place to start. So this notion of allyship, I think, has come up a lot, and um, the idea that you just said it in terms of asking questions and talking to people that you know is a wonderful one. The one thing I do want to add, though, Emma, is to, to just know I love that you asked me up front how am I doing, and and you gave me a minute before we actually had this conversation because you know I have heard from you know a lot of people within the African American community that. They're tired. They're tired and they're weary. And sometimes you just need to give people a little bit of space to to process. So, you know, before we even get into that, I want to thank you for giving me that kind of space because um, that's real. That's that's real.
0: Of course. Now, as we jump into this conversation, let's start by trying to better understand black and African-Americans today. What's your take on what people in the Black community are feeling?
1: Let me start with, and this ties to what I was saying before, I think in some ways we've been going through a grieving process, right? And we've all had to work our way through those stages, just like we were talking about doing for the pandemic, right, where you start in some form of denial like this cannot be happening and you move through you know all those phases of sadness and anger and and my concern right now is that we all are able to move to a place of action of positive action where we can take this moment in time to really you know address some things that have been sort of lurking in the shadows of our experience here for a while
0: And speaking of action, we did want to help to sort of set the stage and provide some context on the feelings and perspectives from Americans. And so, in fact, our colleagues from Ipsos Public Affairs have just released an ABC News Ipsos poll last week that said that three quarters, 74 percent of Americans believe the killing of Floyd is part of a broader problem in the treatment of African Americans by police and not just an isolated incident. They also shared that when they asked this question back in 2014 after a wave of similar events, only 43% felt that it was a broader problem. So we have indeed seen an evolution in how people and especially the broader culture are feeling.
1: Yeah, so so let's let's talk about what's what's different this time. So, you know, in during the civil rights movement, the thing that made that come to life and come to a whole nother place was television, right? All of a sudden, people saw, um, you know, people being hosed, people being brutalized in the streets. And and before that, you didn't really see it. You didn't see it happening. So those stories became real. And this idea of of being able to feel what someone else is, is going through just reached a whole nother level. Yeah. This time, we've got social media, and in particular, we have video. And what we saw with that particular video was beyond people's ability to deny, right? You watched in real time a man, an African-American man in the street with someone's knee on his neck as he begged for his life and was killed. I mean, it kind of doesn't, that's be, that's beyond storytelling. It doesn't get more real and in the moment than that. And so, you know, it. I feel like that made things very different this time, being able to see that actually play out in real time. The other thing I think that was different this time is, you know, the backdrop of this pandemic, <laughs> which is... I mean, the fact that this is all happening at the same time is just incredible, but I I know for me, you know, the pandemic put us in a place where you're isolated, um, you're away from the things that you typically do that keep you grounded and keep you whole. You've got a lot more, a lot of people had a lot more free time on their hands, so that was sort of playing out. And we were all feeling very vulnerable, right? There's something insidious out there in the air that could not only hurt, but kill us. And for the African-American community, we were disproportionately affected by that pandemic. We all knew people who had died from this. We all knew someone who was directly impacted. We are overrepresented in some of these, um, you know, professions that are exposed. We're overrepresented in nursing. We're overrepresenting in the postal service. Those are real numbers that you can see has affected this community more than others. And then things like, you know, we can't go to church anymore. Church is a huge part of the African American community, generally speaking. And whether that's, you know, your individual experience, it's certainly part of, your, of our collective experience and how you think about the world. So, you know, those things were no longer there for us. So you've got all this stuff happening in the backdrop, and then you watch this man with, you know, being killed with a knee on his neck. And I have to say that again, Emma, a knee on his neck i mean it kind of doesn't get any more visceral than that to to have someone say i cannot breathe because there is a knee on my neck <laughs> and it just reaches a level of you know of you know of your very visceral experience that says get off of my neck and let me breathe so i think those kind of things all put together at this point in time is what really makes this one different for me. And I think it's different for a lot of people.
0: And to that, do you think it is uh, shifting views in um, a long-term way?
1: I think it is, and and I'll tell you why. Um, And I say that with, you know, 70% confidence. I think it is because of the things we just described, and I think it is because... um, for the, fir- for the first time, I feel like people outside of the African-American community felt similar things. I think this was an opportunity for them, for whites, for uh, Hispanics, anyone who has ever felt uh, a knee on their neck, right? In any way, I think that it was a chance for for other people to experience that in a way that has not really been experienced before. And by the way, we're all going through the pandemic in our own way as well. So, so all those things I mentioned, I think, is happening on a broader scale. So that makes it better. I think the thirty percent that has me concerned is is the part that um, people. St- still are in denial about certain things and so that the ignorance part that I was talking about earlier is is still out there. I think people are still reacting very emotionally and not necessarily with real data and facts. Um, I also think that because we now are able to be in our own bubbles, we tend to hear the stories that we want to hear. Um, and I'm not convinced that there are not still stories being told that are, that are different than that. I see a lot of, of um, responses that are, that are very genuine and dealing with a symptom of the problem, but not necessarily willing to go deep enough to identify the real problem and deal with that, if that makes sense.
0: It does, yes. And indeed, one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation today was because we are hearing so many stories come out of the media, but feel that there has been some sort of gap or missing context in the conversation. So how can researchers play a role in this conversation?
1: I think it's interesting because, you know, you used to be able to count on journalists and journalism to bring you facts. But I think today things have become very, certainly within the U.S., very partisan. and and sometimes you look at at some you know, the the term fake news is like you know that's what people say so so I think what researchers can bring is real data it's real facts it's um, it's ways of looking at um, a situation with that's genuine but fact based and I think what's what happens a lot of times as we start to address you know this what what I consider to be a very deep rooted endemic problem um, is that we we have emotional conversations and and because it's an emotional issue but the only way to diffuse the emotion and get to a place of 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 this change that I've been talking about in action is to have real data right is to have um facts behind you and a lot of times we don't have the facts both from um, the numbers perspective but also from a qualitative perspective in terms of how people are feeling Um, it's our jobs as as qualies if you will and you and i emma live this from day to day but you know it's our jobs to step into the shoes of someone else that's unlike you So how do we do that in a way that brings those kinds of stories and those kinds of experiences to the surface and and combine that with the data so that we now have a place of knowledge as opposed to a place of ignorance to have these kind of conversations.
0: And you talk a lot about empathy and that sounds like it would play a major role here.
1: So yeah, I feel like I've been training for this moment for the past year and a half. Why? Because um, you know, you know, I've been doing a lot of work on empathy, uh, just in in the business world. And what we talk about in that, in those webinars, and in everything I, I have been promoting to our clients is, you know, emp- the definition of empathy is to think like someone else thinks, to feel like someone else feels. And to do the things that someone else would do, and by the way, that also means not be able to do the things that someone else is unable to do, right? So it's those three things all in service to creating value for someone else. So we talk about going from um, what we call emotional empathy, so that's the, the stepping into their shoes, to cognitive empathy, which then says you know what you bring your resources you bring your perspective and you bring your experiences to that problem and that's what can help bring it bring it to another level so if you take that model and apply it to what's going on today i think it could really help with both how, you know, as, a, as an African-American, you can do more within your own community and as an ally, you know, that, that how you can possibly help step into the shoes first and then bring your resources to help solve a problem.
0: Let's shift to this point that you mentioned right off the top about action, because I think there's many individuals, organizations and brands that are eager to not only show support, but there seems to be this realization that support isn't enough. And we all must identify actions to take to really play our part in stopping racial injustice and actively challenge these dis- systemic issues. How do we identify the right actions to take?
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna quote my daughter in this one because I think she summed it up <clears throat> pretty pretty clearly. In and when we were talking about this, she says, "You know what? When people come to me and ask me how can I help," she said, "All I can think is." you need to figure out how you want to show up in this and i thought that was a brilliant answer because as a brand that's the question you need to ask how do you want to show up how do you want to be viewed within this and that ties back to a whole lot of things right so first of all what have you what have you claimed to be about what have you claimed to be your purposes and find the thing that ties to that or that backs that up in a way that's believable and genuine and authentic right i would also argue that you know the best way to help is to is to do your homework <laughs> right to to look at facts to look at the things that are going to support what it is you're trying to do the other thing I would say is I think organizations need to really get clear on what they think the problem is because this systemic racism is such a deep-rooted problem that I think a lot of times we identify symptoms as the problem. Um, and sometimes it's that's great. Sometimes it's great to just let's just deal with that symptom because that'll help us get a little bit deeper into what the problem really is. But let's be clear on what we define as the problem. So, you know, I'll use the NFL as an example, right? So so when, when, when Kaepernick took the knee, they identified the problem as being him. You know, here's this black athlete who clearly doesn't appreciate the amount of money he's been given, the attention he's been given, all that America has done for him. Therefore, the solution to the problem was to cut him out of it, right? To just push him to the side and let's just teach teach everybody else the lesson that that's not going to be accepted the issue is the problem was not him the problem went so much deeper than that right and so now what's surfacing is you know more of you know where this real depth goes and now the nfl has to stop and apologize and do all the stuff that you know no company or individual ever wants to be in the position of doing so i think part of this you know <laughs> coming coming to you know where it is you want to show up starts with who are you who do you want to be and help and let's define the problem that you want to help solve and then from there, you can put your resources, your money, your teams, your leadership, your products behind that. But I think you have to be very intentional and very deliberate with what that is. So it's not just something that's going to come off the top of your head. you got to sit with your leadership team. you got to sit with yourself and figure out the answer to those questions. But what you don't want – but I'm telling you, it takes – courage and it takes a different kind of leadership to be willing to to pull back (laughs) because sometimes you pick up those rocks there's a lot of worms underneath there you got to pull them back and be able to deal with your own stuff and and I say that individually as well as you know for organizations and I say that by the way for African Americans as much as I say it for for whites, Hispanics or whatever. We all have to use this moment that has brought so much stuff to, to the surface that's been buried and hidden and kind of festering. And let's just expose it, guys, and figure out, okay, here's the problem that we're going to deal with today, and here are the things we're going to put in place, and here are the measurements we're going to use to try to determine if we've made any, any real progress against it, just like you would any other problem.
0: I really appreciate that point around progress, right, not perfection. And I've been watching Nike closely. I think they're a really interesting example of what an organization can do. And they've received a lot of criticism for their diversity. They've released their internal stats and their CEO came out last week and said, you know, we need to get our own house in order and we are going to increase internal diversity efforts. They also have uh, this campaign, right, the Don't Do It campaign, which very much supports this movement. But not only that, they've now said they plan to donate $40 over the next four years to support organizations that promote social justice and education in the U.S. So I think it's a nice example to show that it's not just... It's not just putting out one ad campaign, right, and expecting that, okay, now you're, you're a part of this movement and you'll get the positivity that'll come out of that. It's about saying, you know what, we have to do better internally as well, and we're committed to it, and we're going to donate on top of that because it's important
1: yeah, so the dollars is 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 really important, right? And I think that's sort of but honestly, the dollars is almost the the cherry on top of what you do and and people will be looking, don't get me wrong, for what it is you've committed to dollar wise but but also stuff like if you go to Netflix now, there is a whole genre around uh, African American black lives matter, you know and 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 when I talk about you know, doing your homework and just sort of knowing it's kind of nice to be able to go there and hear the stories of people that have been through this so um, you know how does it tie to what you do and how you do it and how do you bring specifically what you can to that in order to really um, make this work and then on top of that you give money towards you know whatever that particular story was about all of a sudden there's a, there's a really nice pyramid peer- of things that you can do that starts from a grounding of who you are and what you want to be and how you want to show up in the midst of this crisis.
0: So it's just so important and um, it really, I mean, it's just the right thing for organizations to be doing today. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. But, But to be clear, yes, it is the right thing to do. But there is an economic consequence to this as well. There's trillions of dollars being spent in the African American community to do this right could really be a good business decision. It's also a a crisis of democracy. I mean, I sit in our global meetings with any level of confidence or trust or or credibility and talk about democracy um, with other countries. Uh, knowing that this is going on and with them seeing that this is going on. So it is It is a nice, it's a great thing for us to do, but it goes way beyond that. There's economic and there's democratic consequences to what's playing out.
0: And so that sort of begs the question, um, which is how Ipsos is responding.
1: So let me just tell you a personal story. So uh, when all this was happening, I personally was really feeling like this is just awful. And I called our CEO, Pierre Lamont, who is – the head of North America here. And and you know what he he called me on a Sunday afternoon and he let me vent. He just let me vent and and you know Pierre's Pierre's the guy who's always asking you for the numbers and always asking you about the business and he didn't do that. He he let me vent. And then and then the next day he called me into a meeting and he he put together a team and he asked me and and another woman Manika Gopnath, to To lead this team to help us understand what we as Ipsos can do best. And I got to tell you, I got a lot of respect for that. (laughs) I got a lot of respect for his ability to hear and then for his ability to to take some action now we are pulling together now we've had several consultants that we've already um, talked to about how to help our african-american employees right now um, as well as how to make sure that uh, we can use this team to advise ipsos on things we could be doing better aside from you know let's look at our at our diversity levels and where they are in leadership and what can we do to start really putting some effort against that. Let's look at the research we do and making sure that we are always asking the right kinds of questions and always having that perspective, a perspective and a lens so that, you know, we can provide the kinds of facts and knowledge that that people will go to and know that it's real and know that it can be trusted. So um, I think if so, so you know, we haven't done it yet, we're not finished yet, but we are in the midst of doing exactly what it is, I think, needs to be done at times like this. So, you know, you need to hold me accountable to that as well.
0: Well, I look forward to contributing and continuing this conversation with you, too. And April, as we close here, is there anything else that you want to add?
1: You know, I think the the thing we need to know is that, th- that the African American community is really a very special community and we have lived with a lot of stuff. I mean it was its its role in the history of the US is very specific and even having said that the experience within it is so varied and so unique to every individual that it's this is a hard one to wrestle down and really put your arms around and and sometimes it really does require just you know listening doing some deep deep listening and then making some decisions as to how you want to like I said, how you want to show up and how you want to be seen um, as part of what's happening right now as we are in the midst of some major, major changes. When we come out of this, I'm convinced things will look very different. And, And I hope that that's the case, that it's different in a really good way.
0: I hope so too. And I really, I like the call to action for all of us as individuals, as allies, as organizations we can all uh, listen and learn. We can all educate ourselves. There's so much information out there. And I think we can really identify these tangible actions, to your point, to, uh, to participate in. So thank you so much, April, for prompting us to have this conversation. I know it's not your, it's not your job to be educating all of us on this, but we really <laughs> appreciate your time and energy in sharing um,
1: this with us today. Well, thank you. And thanks, Emma, for for being a good, deep listener. You're really great at that.
0: Thank you all for tuning in to Inside Out. We have included in our show notes today a link to the ABC News and Ipsos polls that we referenced earlier today. So be sure to visit that link. For your continuously updated perspectives on public opinion and be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting app to make sure you get all of our latest episodes delivered to you we'll see you next time